0: Says, get
1: that India, big boy! What a shot! What a shot! Campbell killer! Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Tip Sheet podcast. As always, I'm your host, John, also known as Forty Twenty. Joining me for another episode in which we'll look at the NRL and Parramatta news are my good mates, Sixties and Clint. Fellas, been a bit of a long layoff with this uh, almost exaggerated exaggerated and comically long uh, sort of bye week going into a public holiday again, but we're getting there back end of the week and we've got the podcast going. How are you guys doing?
0: Well, mate, I'm going to be stunned if we can get through this podcast in under two hours. If we come in under two hours... I'm going to be I'm, ecstatic. I'm going to start if cracking I, the we, whip. Yeah, <laughs> if, if we if we can come in under under 90 minutes, uh, even more ecstatic. If we come in under an hour, I'll I'll be stunned. But we are actually going to aim to, you know, stick stick to what we need to stick to tonight. Not not too much rambling. So you've got my commitment. Not that I'm ever able to keep the commitment out. <laughs> Not talking too much. <laughs> uh, I am I am guilty uh, of that. So, um, and look, apart from that, I'm going to say I'm in a, a mixed mood tonight, to be honest, fellas. We had a great evening last night at the Junior Reps presentation night. We'll talk about that in a little bit more detail in a moment. But of course, we've had a week which hasn't exac- exactly been. Um, a highlight for the Parramatta Eels, and again, we'll also talk about that. Clint, how are you doing?
2: Gents, I'm just itching for um, Monday to come around and let's get into the game. You know, I've, I'm, I'm jumping the bit to run out there with the boys. Such has been this week. Let's um, let's let's move past
1: that and get get ready to play some first grade rugby league. Yeah, and before we do talk about the uh, week that was and the week that is coming. Uh, with the NRL news and Parramatta news, quick shout out to the sponsors of the tip sheet: Big Swing Golf, North Mead, and Star Partners Real Estate, Auburn, NRL and Parramatta. As you guys know, helps make the podcast happen each and every episode. Uh, but now, 60s, I'm going to hand over the reins to you. If I hit this button.
0: And really, fellas, this is a week where there should be plenty of focus on Brad Arthur because the Parramatta Reels coach moves past Brian Smith to become the longest tenured Parramatta coach in the history of the club. He's moving from 243 games in charge of the Eels to 243 games at the helm. Mate, what an amazing record, eh?
1: It's crazy to think where he came from too, way back at the end of 2013 when it was him and Jason Taylor vying for the reins at the club, then the salary cap scandal that broke across 2016, winning the spoon in 2018 when everything sort of just fell apart after such a wonderful campaign in 2017 and then since then he's just gone from strength to strength all the way to the grand final berth in season 2022 and now you know navigating a very, very tough season where injuries have just been rampant in the forward pack and we're still getting results
0: yeah clint what's your what's your take on this 10 years with uh ba in charge
2: it's absolutely
0: incredible you know, i
2: i think back to when i sort of first became an eel supporter and that was in the um the, the, the mid to late 90s and i've um I've, I've held a membership with the club for uh just over 25 years now and um certainly in those earlier years and you know for, for probably the, the the third, I guess, of my years supporting the Yields, Brian Smith was all that I knew. And um, so when you know, we, we saw, I guess, the um, the the carousel of coaches that followed after his tenure, it probably did at, at some period point important time along that journey didn't feel as though there'd ever be anyone that would um, take over Brian's record. But is there anyone more deserving than Brad Arthur? You know, for, for, for all the... All of the um, the highs and and certainly all of the lows that have been experienced across the course of his tenure, we've we've seen the progressive rise of the side and you know and and players throughout the course of his tenure. Uh, personally, pointing him out for for changing their lives, making them not just better players but better men. And you know, it's, it's I don't think there's a higher compliment than that from your players as a coach. And you know, it, it's it's a record that he uh, well and truly deserves and. hopefully we can celebrate that record with a win.
0: Yeah, it's been the hallmark of of his time at the club, the respect that the players have for him. And when you think there's very few coaches in the game who get up around that decade or longer with the one club, even like the great Wayne Bennett, yes, he had that long stint at the Broncos. He's, of course, since moved on. You've got Craig Bellamy, who's had such a historied uh, journey with the Melbourne Storm. And he's just going to be recognised for outstanding success that he's had at the club there. And uh, Trent Robinson as well over at the the Roosters now is a long-term coach there. But the coaching merry-go-round that happens at so many other clubs is, you know, it's, coaches just don't stay at clubs for a long time. And when you look at the eels and realize that the top of the tree in terms of length of tenure now is Brad Arthur and, and Brian Smith and you look at uh, past coaches and really uh, I think John Mooney might've been the coach that had been there the longest outside of those two Um, certainly in, in the last 40, 50 years anyway. And, it's just you know coaches just don't stay long at clubs i mean the mm. great jack gibson 3 years at the club 3 premierships obviously he's got an outstanding winning percent percentage and um and then uh, and terry fernley was right up there with in winning percentage and but he was only there for 4 years at the club once you're up there for such a long period of time if you've got a, a winning percentage that's over 50%, you're doing pretty well. And I think BA overall sits at 53%. In the post that I put up today on TCT about his record, I wrote that he sits, I think it's around about, uh, it's over 60% in the last four mm. years, his winning percentage. I think it's 61, 62%. It's incredible.
1: If you scrub Something those rebuilding years from 2014 to 2016, his record look, look a lot better too.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, um Look, I, I mean, really, we we, we do acknowledge that some of the outstanding work that he had to do to navigate through those the challenging years that went all the way up to 2018 with the with yeah. the wooden spoon in 2018, and I doubt that there would have been any coach that would have hung around during the salary cap dramas and the um, and not only that, I mean, we you saw what the training facilities were or so, sorry were not at Richie Benno Oval. Um, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how we ever attracted people to play at the club back then, because it's that was about as primitive as you'd get for having, you know, a, a roster of you know that's worth whatever the cap was back then, eight nine million. Um, it was just, you know, it, I can't. I, as I said, I look back. I can't believe that we were based there, and that you they could had drive to a car into it. that field and you would pop a tire in a pothole. That's, that's <laughs> yeah. how dire the situation was there. Yeah. I mean, you're not talking about any any uh, showers for the players. There's no meeting room. There's minimal shade. They had to train elsewhere for the gym for that for, for uh, team meetings for you know, any of their physio work that had to happen. It was just, you know it was one of I think about four or five places during any day that they could be as part of their training schedule. So, and and really when they went to sale yards, they're, they're in demountables. And although it was a, a major step up from uh, from Richie Benno Oval, it wasn't much better. And so to have only been at Kellyville now for what, about the last three years or so, no. it's, you know, now we're starting to see, I guess, the, you know, the fruits of BA's labours, plus also the facilities that the club's able to start pro- to provide for the players and and the coaching staff. So anyway, our congratulations to Brad Arthur. Our thank you to the club for having the faith in Brad and keeping consistent um, staffing there. And I can't mention Brad Arthur without mentioning a couple of other people. First of all, Murph, Steve Murphy. He's been BA's right-hand man since that uh, since the 2014 season been alongside him all the, all the way. he's, he's he, he obviously Brad and Murph obviously you know they they see themselves as uh, I guess a double act if you like it, it, they're they're coaching um, they're great coaching mates they bounce off each other different completely different personalities But once you've got a trust in someone, I guess just like the the great Jack Gibson had his ally in uh, Ron Massey Mm. and relied a lot on him. Well, Brad's got Murph there. And, of course, the other fella is Craig Sultana who's been there. Uh, uh, He's the football manager. He's been at the club now with Brad since 2016. So he's now in his eighth year with the club. So having... That consistency of staff and the and the faith that the club have in those staff, I think, has been important in Parramatta's success. Now, I guess people have been waiting for TCT to make a comment, but uh, fellas, um, I think we're going to. I know how I know the takes that we're going to have with this, or the takes that we're not going to have. But Dylan Brown, um, Clint, can I get you to say a few words first of all?
2: Yeah, look, you know, I'm I'm not going to
0: uh,
2: go into the details of the charges that have been put against him. The fact he's been stood down and and and, and anything else to do with the case. I'm just going to take this purely from a a fan and I guess pseudo club perspective. It's disappointing, um, you know, and uh, probably uh, I, I might even give a word of advice out to some of our young listeners out out there. Look, that. There's going to be some lessons learned from all of this, but um, you know, I, I hope for, 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 for many people that part of the lessons that they learned from this is there's just not much to be gained in going out to a, to a nightclub or a venue like the one that Dylan went to um, last weekend. And I, I might just leave it at that because this is, you know, the fact of the matter is this is a, a, an active case before the courts and we've got to let, let a legal process take place. So I'll, I think I'll leave it just there, gents.
0: Yeah, uh, John?
1: Oh, I'll take it just a, a fraction further than Quint because I do respect uh, his policy on, uh, you know, not essentially not saying something silly when it's an active process in court and both sides need to have their day to to press their cases. But uh, in, in law of what he's being charged with, if he's guilty, I trust that the Eels in the NRL will uh, come out with the requisite punishment, rehabilitative punishment, because what he has been levied with as a charge, is nowhere near enough to warrant uh, you know, terminating his contract. Uh, more than anything, it's about making him a better person for making that mistake if he is guilty. Uh, if he is innocent, like Clint said, there's still an important life lesson here for both him and any youngster, whether they're involved in rugby league or not, when it comes to going out and going to certain venues. Uh, but yeah, so uh, obviously uh, I imagine that Dill is immensely disappointed with himself in far as letting the team down because of that immediate stand down. Which looks like it's going to be a minimum of three games uh, until his next court date, at the very least. Uh, but, you know, in, in saying that, um, you know, the team needs to support him, the club needs to support him, uh, you know, until his court case is seen out. And, whether, like I said, whether he's guilty or not guilty, they still need to support him because it's going to be about making him, either, you know, helping lift him back up off his feet when he's, you know, if he's found innocent. Uh, but if he's guilty, uh, rehabil- re- rehabilitating sorry, uh, him. Uh, with the right programs and the right you know uh measures to make him a better person so just got to wait and see now and and the eels will have to uh you know fully embrace that next man up philosophy even more uh that's been uh the case this year yeah and
0: and, and just to that I want to add in because both of you've raised the question whether he's guilty or not guilty and I think this is important when it comes to uh, fan reactions or, or critical reactions, wherever it's come from, is that there's a process for uh, the this action to to go through the 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 charges, the um, the legal process, and to weigh in with opinions about this. And I'm seeing plenty where he's he's already been judged as guilty. And I, I'm not suggesting he's guilty or he's not guilty, but if you're if you're going to take a stance one way or the other, be very, very careful about that stance that you take. Whether you're levelling accusations against Dill, whether you're levelling accusations against the person who is the alleged victim in this in, in this particular case. You can't I, I I'm very strong against like leveling um I don't it, know just it's, some of the there's it's just there are some really really strong opinions yeah. out there if people mm. people
1: are very quick to towel with the brush aren't they on social media and everyone's a legal expert uh like like Quinn said in in reality um you know let both sides have their day in court and, and press their cases because you know a lot can change between now and the next court case and you know, you don't want to be too quick to levy, you know, a, a very serious, you know, and, a, an allegation that can change someone, change the mm. perception of someone for the rest of their life. You know, even if they're yeah. found not guilty. Yeah,
2: multiple people.
1: Yeah. Even if they're found not guilty or, or innocent, you know, some people won't change their minds because they're so set on the narrative that's come out initially. So let's wait and see. If he's guilty, like I said, you trust the eels in order to do the right thing, to take the right measures and rehabilitate him. If he's innocent. Um, don't go out there saying stuff too hastily because yeah, it's going to reflect poorly. And, well, the and thing further is, further to
2: that, further to that, gents, I was just going to add. You know, while we're touching on the fact that this is a legal matter, the fact is that there is a complainant and a defendant, and the defendant happens to be the Parramatta Eels player Dylan Brown, and that's where it should be left, and let the legal process take place. Mm-hmm. And much to the points that that um, that Fordy's made before, um, whatever that outcome be trust that the uh, whatever measures need to be take place um, in the result of that outcome will be taken.
0: Yep. And I think we'll leave that there and we'll, we'll now look at the football side of things, which is what happens in terms of what looks like a minimum three weeks without Dylan Brown in the side. What do the Eels do? So um, Clint, first off mate, what, what do you see the Eels do? Because we don't have any inside word on this. I haven't, I haven't gone to training this week. I've got no idea what what um, Plan B they have. So, um, what would you be doing, Clint? Look in my mind, I, I look at it as you want to have the
2: least amount of disruptions to um, the defensive pattern of the team, of the defensive line of the team, and then um, you know a, a big part of that uh, defensive line is having Clint Gutherson at fullback directing it. And, and certainly, when we're playing Canterbury this weekend, and the likes of Matt Burton putting up his um, his spiral bombs, there's no one better in the club to to field those kicks than Clint. And, you know, so there's been some speculation about moving him to six and, and potentially finding someone else to go to one. But to me, you, you, you have to bring in Mustard. You have to bring in uh, Nasi. and um, and he just has to. All he has to do is just play his role. You know, and allow. Uh, this is where the onus will fall on on Moses Gutherson and Josh Hodgson's shoulders to, to be the leaders in the team and to to, to direct the side around the field.
1: Yeah. John? Yeah, plenty of configurations you could tinker with. Uh, you know, Guffo into the halves, Russell the fullback or Bowie in the fullback. Cartwright into the halves, Brennan Hans into the halves and then obviously finding replacements for them at both edge and on the uh, interchange uh, bench. But uh, yeah, as, as you know, as listeners of the podcast and 60s, we always talk about this, one of our... Sort of sports cliches is you don't weaken a strength for strength and a weakness, and you know the most simple replacement oftentimes is the best. It's a bit of Occam's razor in sports. Just bring in the guy that can play the role, even if he's you know not necessarily going to be a stud. Um, but Dajon's going to have great support players around him. He's going to come into one of the best spines in the NRL with Mitchell Moses in prime condition, Quinton Gafferson playing good football, and Josh Hodgson rounding into some good form before the bye. So you put him in there, you can streamline his role. You're going to support him on that left edge with Mike Acevo, Bowie Simonson, and I think it'll be Andrew, Andrew Davion on that edge, given that we saw Bryce playing with Mitch last time on the right. Uh, but yeah, and because he's on the left, uh, because he is playing in that right-to-left passing lane, you can actually just use him as the fulcrum for the backline movements and use Quentin Gufferson as your primary playmaker down that side on that sweep Absolutely. or block. So you've got options, and you can give him some looks uh, where he can be the main guy and take some attacking chances after you've you know you set up some other stuff, so he's gonna if he is the guy, I trust him to come in and do the job. Uh, the best part is that we're already a, a very kick heavy team via Mitchell Moses, so he really has to worry about making his tackles, making his passes, and running when the opportunity presents itself. He's not going to be pressured with having the organize, having the long kick, and have all those extra responsibilities on the table. And um, I trust that if he is the guy, the Eels will you know set him up to succeed.
0: Yeah, I. I'm probably likely to agree with you that that is the most logical way to go. And I like Clint's um, thought processes there too about this week's match when it comes to Burton and the kicking game of his that the Bulldogs absolutely rely on when it comes to their attack. It's like, take that out of their game. What else are they throwing at teams? I know that it's not the only way that they score, but even if it's not the winning play, it seems to be the play that gets them a bit of momentum back in a game when they're looking to stage some sort of uh, fight back or or to get a bit of momentum. It's that big kick of his with the spiralling bomb. We saw him levelling that sort of kick at Gutho in the first round when we played the Bulldogs, You can imagine what they would do if the Eels were putting someone other than Gutho at fullback. It would just be coming all night um, the fullback's way. It's not that it's not going to come that way this time, but the thing is when you've got that spiral bomb, it's not easy to control. So he does tend to send it towards the centre of the field more than he he does out to the wings. Not to say that it wouldn't head out to the wings, but we saw it mainly heading to the fullback in Gutho though, in the early rounds. So I'm I'm on board that that's probably the most logical. I think outside of that, BA might be tempted to play Brendan Hands in the yeah. halves and have Dejan Arcee on the bench. And when it comes to giving Hodgson a rest, because, uh, and, and again, in that way, you're only getting that one difference. Um, a second change is basically that when it's time to rest Hodgson that I would have R.C. then in the halves and hands at uh, going to the, the dummy half position. That's not ideal, but I'm not ruling that out as a way that BA might go. So I guess we'll see what happens there. Um, of course, the other bad news this week is the injury to Wirimu Greg, and we Obviously, heard uh, got word on this a little bit early on, but we waited for the eels to come out with their um, official statement about the injury because that's obviously the best way that um, for it to go because that that way you get all the proper confirmation about uh, what's actually happened to him, the 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 particulars on the injury and um any any possible surgery or treatment and the eels have now come out and uh john do you want to just take us through the name of the injury and what we know about the process and the recovery period with that type of injury
1: yeah i believe uh, it's been identified as a lisfranc fracture which is one of the bones in the foot and you don't see it too often in the nrl i don't know mechanically why Um, But it's very uncommon in the NRL. But over in the NFL, where it's still uncommon, you do see it a lot more often, and it's uh, oftentimes the big guys uh, that do it. And obviously Wiramu definitely fits into that category. He is a big unit. Uh, And unfortunately, it's one of the worst things you can do to your foot. Uh, Essentially, it's like one of those key supporting bones that take a long time to heal. And as weird as um, foot injuries often are in terms of mechanically, they're not always big. Turf toe, Frank injuries, they're some of the most... Brutal and impossible things to try and pull, uh, push through and play through. So it's no surprise that when NRL Physio was doing his uh, rounds on social media, he said that the recovery time spans between three to five months. So it's a long time out. Um, so optimistically, very optimistically, best case scenario, he might be back for the finals. Realistically, uh, this could be a season ender for him, which is a damn shame given that he was having a hell of a breakout campaign for the Parramatta Reals. That's
0: That's quite a blow for the forward pack, Clint, given how Wiramu was advancing this year? He was just, you know, as as Paul was
2: just touching on there, he was just really, really starting to come into his own. You know, I think over the last four to six weeks in particular with, um, with Big Reg's absence, um, you know, he, he, he really started to make a name for himself as an NRL player. There's some performances there the last probably three in particular um were incredibly impressive you know and um we know our good friend mitch clark um uh, is, is very much a, a fan of big wirimu and um
1: oh, he, you know, moved think, to
2: uh, he he moved. He, to he did he Michigan. did indeed you know uh, i don't i don't know if there's a correlation between his move date and um and uh, woody's injury but you know i think there's something to look into there but we'll we'll, we'll park that for the moment and um you know, uh, I, I, I think um, to Forty's point about this not being very common in the NRL. The the the, the most uh, recent known case of a Liz Frank injury with another NRL player was Ruben Cotter, who had a a, um, a return time within four months or just under four months. So, um, you know, if, if if that's anything to go by, yeah, you know, you know I, I I think we've seen the last of Woody this this year, and it's, it's a crying shame, but. You know what we do hope to hear is, and you know, we've speculated over the last um, the last few weeks as well that he's in the process of renegotiating a new contract, and hopefully we can um, we can get that sorted and and look forward to seeing Woody on the field again.
0: Yeah, if we are being realistic, it's not just that uh, recovery time with rehabilitation. Woody's somebody that needs as much conditioning work as he possibly can do, and his success in first grade this year was a large part of just how fit he got himself in 2023. And we saw the difference every week with the, the longer the minutes that he played, the better his match fitness picked up, the better he was playing. And really whenever he comes back, if he was to come back this year, he's not going to get too much time to build up that fitness. So I, I guess um, when it comes to team selections, it, it is well. Are we? It seems like we're cursed in the forwards yeah. season. It's one injury after the other, and it's it's quite often that those players that are in the the middle rotation. Um, John, your um, team list Tuesday. Uh, what was your what was your take on the main selections across the grades this week?
1: Yeah, we um, had some interesting picks across FLEG Cup and uh, NRL and there's obviously a bit of a TBA in the uh, New South Wales Cup too if Dejan Arcee is caught up to the NRL because currently he is listed as the starting 5'8th Finn Reggies and I don't really know what they're going to do to fi- uh, fix that issue if he gets caught up. But in the Jersey FLEG 60s, uh, we've got a bit of a shake-up in the spine. Uh, we got Upper Twiddle going from fullback to 5'8th. He's a well built young lad, so I've got no doubt he'll handle his duties in the front-line defence pretty well. Um, strong run of the ball too. Be very interested to see how he performs on a Friday night. Um, he makes way for Ethan Martin, who gets his second cap as an eel at fullback. Uh, back line's looking pretty healthy now. Comilafé, Williams, Blackburn, and Penasini, who we had a uh, chat with last night. He's doing really well, young Richard. Uh, looking forward to seeing more of him this year. Uh, in the front row, you've got Nick Al Alrafo and Sam Torvati. Jock Brazzle is named in flag 60s, but he's also named in the New South Wales Cup. He's so got to wait and see what his uh, split of uh, timeshare is there. Uh, and we've got Patrick Spence making his uh, Jersey Fueg debut. Uh, Paddy, one of the blog favourites, one of the site favourites, uh, been a, a great utility for the Eels and the SG Ball, with, uh, I believe, Matty Arfa copped a suspension this week, 60s, and uh, Paddy's going to get his chance to be the utility off the interchange in the Jersey Fueg in his absence.
0: Well, I think he's, he's going to get two two weeks of that, uh, potentially, because uh, Budsy's out for a couple of weeks, I believe. So, so the, the hip, um, don't,
1: yeah. don't call it a crackdown, crackdown. Uh, continues right down to the jersey flag. Yep, yep and then moving absolutely. moving on to the New South Wales Cup. Um, Hayes dances back. That's big news there. I think he missed the last couple of games. I'm not sure why, in terms of injury or suspension. Sixties, you might know better than me, uh, but that helps reinforce a, a. You don't want to put the boot in, but it's a pretty miserable looking back line. Uh, Hayes is like the only real NRL caliber player out there. Uh, they're going to need to find a replacement for Dejan. Like I said, if he plays NRL. The big news, um, the rise and rise of the hyphen 60s. Jonte Jr. Beth, and Misa he gets another start in New South Wales Cup. And I think he's going from strength to strength in this grade.
0: Yeah, yeah, he is. And it's, it's good to see because we need these players that we're waiting for them to be the next wave. And you, you know, it's... Jersey Fleg's the step-up from SG Ball, but if you've got a young player and he's been playing Jersey Fleg, you want to see what they are like in an open-age uh, football competition. So, and,
1: and the other player who, after a little bit of a lull, which uh, makes sense when you consider the attrition that can be senior football, that I think is starting to turn a corner is Tony Matteo. I think the last couple of weeks he's been pretty good off the interchange, so good to see uh, big Tony, who was also out there at the awards night last night, uh, rounding back into some good form.
0: Yes. Um, and, of course, the uh, the NRL, um, Big Reg.
1: Yes, well, that, that is the the real fantastic news this week. After losing Dylan and Wiramu, you needed something, didn't you? And uh, Reg comes back. And you, if you're playing where's Wally on the uh, team training gallery, you might have spotted him before the <laughs> team uh, was announced on Tuesday. He was sort of poking his uh, head around a few pictures, not quite in frame. Uh, but, yes, he's reunited with Junior Barlow on the front row this week. Absolutely massive, the Parramatta Eels, as they look to make it free on the trot against the Bulldogs. Andrew Davey returns from a concussion, uh, well, from concussion, and after passing the protocols from a mandatory 11-day stand down, going back against, uh, gosh, who did we play two weeks ago? Uh, would have been... Cowboys. Cow- no, 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 Cowboys wasn't, I oh, uh, missed that South. game. It was Souths, so that's yeah. right, he got concussed early in that game. So he's uh, going to be what we, we believe working on the left edge, uh, which is big. And then on the interchange, uh, well, you've got Ogden, Makatoa, Hans and Dory. Uh, Ogden and Makatoa have been in really good touch, boys. They've been very, very, probably a low-key, uh, underrated aspect of the Eels' sort of recent surge in the last couple of weeks. And uh, Matt Dory, I think, could be a real impact player for the Eels off the interchange.
0: Yeah. Um, Clint, how important is that return of Reg to the first-grade team? It
2: couldn't be more timely, you know, and um, it it really does feel like we're cursed, in, in particularly in the forwards, gents. You know, it, it's, it, every week there has been at least one of our quote unquote um, strongest forward pack unavailable. We have not put out a we haven't put out a, 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 a our strongest team at all this year. You know, and, and and it's almost been as though at least two of the forwards that come into contentional consideration for that label um, have been unavailable. So, so getting Red back is incredibly timely. Um, you know, and um, we saw the damage he did in the um, in, in the game against the Bulldogs uh, out at Combank earlier this year as well. Uh, he certainly was one of the players that um, that made the the beef with Reed personal. Uh, it was great to see. He had, a, he had, a, he had a, a phenomenal game, scored a great try in that match as well. So um, his, his inclusion isn't just timely, it is welcomed.
0: Yep. And um, I want to go to you now, Clint, on a rumour that's uh, floating around that the Eels are being linked with Charlie Staines. Your takes on that?
2: Yeah, this is an interesting one because um, it, it was uh, shared um, as a subsection in, in the Telegraph earlier today um, online. And, um, yeah, look, you know, Charlie, Charlie Sainz is a, I, w- I would like to say, call him probably a handy player. Um, you know, from our perspective, um, he's certainly would be someone that would be looked upon as a, uh, as a player of depth. And, um, you know, I, I wouldn't consider him in our top 17 based on the squad that we have available at the moment. You know, if, if the same reporters that I believe from The Telegraph and the likes of the um, the, uh, the, the, the other um, media outlets this year were looking for an X-Factor player, I don't consider Charlie Staines to fit that category. But, you know, fact of the matter is uh, the August 1 deadline um, is looming and we've got to fill our quota. And. Um, if he were to come to the Eels, and we, we spoke about this before the show, gents, is um, you know, we, we'd absolutely support him and cheer him on. But he's probably, in my own personal eyes, not the type of player I'm looking for. Um, you know, um, if, if we're targeting someone that can be a, um, a, either a, a pseudo fullback winger or, or winger centre I'm very much like the prototype of player that that can get over the advantage line a little bit more than what Charlie Steen's does. He offers a lot of pace and is a solid finisher. Um, you know, and obviously had um, um, plenty of successful moments at the Panthers um, in his cameo appearances across his um, tenure there. Um, but you know, um, if he were to come, of course I'll support him if he's in the blue and gold. But um, yeah, it's it's, a, it's an interesting one. This.
0: Yeah, look, I think given that. We've had a reserve grade team which has been naming second rowers in the centres and wingers from the Ron Massey Cup, in you know in the Parramatta Eels team for um, for those uh, New South Wales Cup games. We are probably short on outside backs when it comes to Charlie Staines. I don't know that his pace is Significantly more than what Sean Russell's is, so I, I wouldn't see that he would be ousting Sean as a winger at this stage. And Sean's a, a, a bigger build than Charlie, so I'd back, I'd actually back Sean to have more meters coming out of the backfield. Um, but and and I think. Not even Charlie himself would suggest that he would be recruited as an X Factor by the Eels. So, um, John, have you got anything more you'd like to add to that?
1: Yeah, um, look, I wouldn't be the biggest fan of the signing. Uh, I'd be willing to do it on the provision that it was maybe rest of year plus maybe one more season because theoretically, you know, 12 months' time, Sean Russell's obviously another year into his NRL career. Hayes Dunster's getting back to full fitness You've got a slew of young backs alongside the likes of Arthur Miller-Steven, uh, Richard Penicini, Blaise Talunghi, uh, just to name it, just free off the top there. There's, there's more of them as well that you want to hope of proliferating through into your New South Wales Cup team to give you that injection of youth and talent in reserve grade, then pushing into NRL consideration. So you don't want him be, to be blocking those paths too long. Um, yeah, and, but in saying that, you know, I, I just looked at our, you know, when we did the uh, team review just then... And, you know, I was pretty critical of that backline. It's closer to a Ron Massey backline than a New South Wales Cup line right now. So you can't be too picky at the same time. Uh, but like I said, I wouldn't want a long-term commitment.
0: Yeah, and uh, actually, in you mentioning the, some of those players that will be a year older for the Eels, Arthur Miller-Steven, he, he must be starting to get close he's, to He's got to be back yeah, edging
1: back to a return because it was against Penrith, Uh going back, that he did the injury the first time?
0: Well, I spoke to him at the um, Jersey flag game on the Easter weekend when we were at Lidcombe. Mm-hmm. And I think he said he was going to be nine back in nine weeks, roughly. So if we can work out how long it's been since Easter, um, that might give us a little bit of a, a rough timeline. So um, anyway, we look, we, we press on. Next next part, fellas, I just want to make a few words about, uh, say a few words about Ray Hadley's time on radio this week and that he's dedicated to an assault on the Parramatta Eels. I don't want to dive deeply into it. I just want to keep it factual. I'm not even necessarily going to be judgmental on his words. I think they speak for themselves. Um, he... Basically in the as soon as it was Monday morning and we had what had happened with Dylan Brown, the opportunity was then there for Ray to say quite a bit about the Parramatta Club and he described the Parramatta Club as being a zoo, that it lacked discipline. It, it was basically going through a whole lot, through a whole lot of reasons why the club wasn't professional. Had poor leadership. Um, he he then started to get into uh, name calling. He referred to Jim Sarantinos as Jim Alphabet. He referred to um, Sean McElduff, the banker, as could transfer to a wanker. Um, there were inferences made around. Or about the treatment of female staff, it, it was it was a strange sort of comment that he made about female staff at the club who had spoken to him to raise you know to raise issues with him. Um, you know, it was uh, that was as I said, it was inferences. Maybe I shouldn't say what he was inferring, but he made it, there was comments that he made about that. He's since gone on through the week to. Um, even ringing up the uh, Chris O'Keefe radio program uh, last night after the, uh, the training with the comments that were made about uh, the Eels making noises in the background, uh, Eels players making noises in the background at the media calls. Um, he's been attacking uh, the head of comms at Parramatta, Josh Drayton. It's been uh, quite relentless This week, I think the comments that he's made, where it becomes personal attacks and he's essentially sledging uh, individuals, I think they speak for themselves. I don't want to give any more airtime really to what he's saying. I think when you have such a targeted attack, and uh, oh, and of course, the other thing too was he spent quite a bit of time um, saying that he was he was waiting for um, uh, Mr. Abdo to get back to him on the Dylan Brown matter and to make sure that Dylan Brown was stood down. So he was he was absolutely relentless in these matters. Um, yeah, he's it was quite a lot for a radio program. That is a news program uh, between nine and twelve on a daily basis to be dedicating to the Parramatta Reels rugby league team and to individuals that are connected with the running of the club. And uh, I think I'll just leave it there. Mm-hmm. Um, are you yeah. happy if I move on now, fellas? It's, yes, sir. Um, yeah. I, I, As I said, I really don't want to. I really don't want to say anything more because I think I think the words that he said, I think they speak for themselves. That's with, my, uh,
1: my dog saying the same thing. <laughs> a, well, you know. man,
0: moving moving on to something that's a, a bit happier to talk about, and that's the Junior Rep Award Nights there uh, uh, that were there at the uh, stadium last night. So we were privileged to be invited to those awards, and it's always a good night. It's terrific to have a review of the season that we get via... You know, we get the coaches' takes. We see all the players get honoured for their seasons. You you see the joy that they all have in spending time together. They enjoy the successes that their teammates have. There's a lot of support for them when they're being called out for their awards. Uh, the players, the the males, the females, they all they all get to dress up. It's their it's like their Dally M night that they have. It's their Ken Thornett Medal night, and it's given the sort of um, fanfare with being held in the uh, Cumberland Lounge there at at, uh, Combank Stadium, where a lot of similar functions are held during the year. And uh, I think it's a great honour for the the young ones there. Um, Clint, your father, Jerry, had been a two-time winner of the uh, Dennis Anderson medal prior to this year. I hate to break it to you, he didn't get it for a third year running. I was ribbing him going into the night, uh, gents, and um,
2: and um, you know, my wife Maria and I were we we're, um, we're, were going three 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 all throughout the week. So you know we might we might have um, we might have um, jinxed him in, in that, <laughs> but um, you know um, it's um, it, it, it's a wonderful night, the the Virginia Reps of Wars night, and. You know, I I know that regardless of um, of not taking home the big gong um, this year, dad, dad still had a lot of fun. You, you know, you you revel in the success of um of of the teams and and the seasons that were. And you know, we had a very successful junior um, rep season. You know, um the the teams that were there last night were, were were all finalists. Of course, the SV board were premiers. Um, there was a lot to celebrate.
0: Oh, there was. And just to clarify as well. The esteem to which your father Jerry is held, um, as we said, he was the he was coming into the seat this year. He was the holder of the Dennis Anderson Medal for basically the club person of the year in uh, throughout the uh, the the junior system, and that to win that two years in a row is is quite spectacular. Because I correct me if I'm wrong, I think he was the inaugural winner. Was he not? Was he the first winner of that medal? I believe so, yes. So, you know, yeah. I, 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 did, I did
2: suggest to him in jest throughout the week. And, you know, I, 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 um, I knew Big D very, very, very well. So, you know, I hope he doesn't mind me saying um, um God rest his soul. Um, but um, you know, if he was to take it home a third time, they were going to have to rename it the Dennis Anderson-Jerry G
1: medal. <laughs> <laughs> and it, 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 it was a common theme among the coaches' speeches was that both Jerry and Joey Grimer were consistently thanked for their efforts out, like, outside their actual responsibilities at the club, the extra yards they put in for the different squads to help them get ready for each week. So it's, uh, Yeah, no, that's
0: what uh, I wanted to make. That's that's where I was heading to, um, actually. Sorry, sorry still to steal the fund that. of their 60s. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's, that's what I was saying. The esteem to which he's held is that, uh, for for people that uh, aren't aware, is that um, uh, Jerry uh, is was this year the uh, manager of the Harold Matthews Cup team. Um, last year he was the SG Ball manager, uh, and then the uh, Jersey Flag manager. Uh, straight after that, it was SG Ball first, wasn't it, Clint? It wasn't. Was was it Harold Matthews or SG Ball last year? No he was I he think was
2: he was Harold with Fleg last year. I think it was the year prior oh, okay. that he was with the ball side and and um, you know hes I mean he's, he's rotated throughout all of the grades there yeah, so,
0: yeah, um, it's hard to keep, it's hard to keep up with which team he's managing but he did he did double duty last year by um, yeah. by sliding from the, the junior rep program to halfway through the season taking over as the Jersey flag team manager as well. So, look, it, it was no surprise that he uh, he did take out the gong two years in a row because it, it was quite, it, it was quite a, a job that he did last year. But um, it was – look, it was a, a fantastic night. And what I'd like to do right now is just quickly go through the recipients of uh, the awards from the different – Uh, different grades. So, John, you were there last night with me. I'd like to throw to you, if you wouldn't mind, to run through the recipients in the different grades. Yeah,
1: the night kicked off with the Harold Matthews. Coach Chris Howe gave a fantastic speech about their campaign and the standards that they set for themselves. 11 of the 25 squad members were playing in their junior year of eligibility, which means they're going to be back next year, which is a testament to how talented that squad was. But we start with the Coaches Award 60s, uh, which was taken out by Lachlan Koinakis, had a very good season as the uh, sort of rotational dummy half and lock forward. Player's player was captain Josiah Funariuta. Best back, Lorenzo Talatina. Best forward, Tyson Sangalang. And uh, doubling up on the awards and deservedly so, best and fairest going to the big man himself, Josiah Funariuta, who was outstanding on that right edge.
0: Yes. Uh, it was hard to argue with any of those award winners. I'd like to think that uh, you and I, as we were... Um, trying to predict the award winners, I think we I think we came pretty close in our our, our pre announcement tips. Um, now the gale,
1: yeah. Moving on to Tasha Gale, uh, Coach Ryan Walker getting his team to back to back finals. Now, obviously the program going from strength to strength, and we're expecting big things for them with the uh, Lisa Fiola 60s that you cover. Their, their squad coming into the mix next year, uh, but for this season, uh, the coaches award went to Caitlin Pearden. Players player, no surprise, outstanding outside back Lindsay Tui. Best back, Debbie Dewey at fullback and also at times halfback. She had a great season. Best forward, co-captain Ashley Pottinger alongside Debbie there. And then the best and fairest, again, no surprises, Lindsay Tui. She doubles up just the same way that Josiah did. And uh, also the other announcement, their 60s, was uh, when they were all done with Tasha Gale, they uh, had two players stand up, uh, Talara Bamblitt and Lindsay Tui, who were both announced as uh, members of the NRLW Development Squad for season 2023.
0: Yeah, that's fantastic. That had a couple of the girls who were uh, announced as development squad members last year that uh, went from Tasha Gale into the NRLW squad and had that experience of training alongside the senior women in the team. And um, yeah, it was, a, it was a fitting reward for strong seasons for those girls, strong couple of seasons really, um, especially for Talara. Uh, she was a key member of the team last year that uh, enjoyed such success so uh, and of course it was followed on by the premiership winning team
1: yeah this was a probably the highlight of the night obviously in coming in there was a a lot of noise given Adam Hawes had a great intro speech about the success enjoyed by the SG ball squad and uh, a record setting was it 14 SG ball premiership 60s so Tremendous uh, job done there by the lads. And Steve O'Day, the coach, who was a wonderful individual, gave a really impassioned speech about the camaraderie and the brotherhood of that squad and the reaching the goals they set in that season. Uh, but on to the actual award recipients themselves. Coach's award went to Buds, young Matty Arthur, He was outstanding. Uh, player's player. Well, he's probably the probably the biggest, um, in terms of our headlines now, I think will be Ethan Sanders. I think he's actually in the papers tonight, boys, with Penrith and Canberra chasing him. Uh, but best back, uh, one of our breakout players coming from outside the district, Upper Tweeter was outstanding at fullback. No surprises there. Saxon Pryke taking out the best forward award. And then again, a double up of awards there. Ethan Sanders, best and fairest. And uh, yeah, really, really good night for the boys. Had a fantastic campaign. And yeah, no surprises on those award winners, boys. But w- when we were doing this six i got to say, there was, it felt like they were easily tool free. You could have picked any of those spots there. They would have been deserved pickups uh, of the, each of those individual gongs,
0: yeah, we um, we sw- certainly said well there were a number of players who were in contention,
1: mm-hmm. strong
0: contention for, for different awards. So and the uh,
1: um, the final, I suppose, uh, representative honours on the night. And I didn't get the extended bench because it was a bigger than a rugby union bench. But the Eels have internal metrics uh, that they keep across the three grades for essentially uh, involvement and in, uh, performance in a given week and they do a combined uh, team of the year at the end of it across the Tasha Gale, Harold Matthews, and Jersey uh, Jersey Flake, SG Ball, sorry. Uh, and team of the year, at least the starting team of the year look like this. At fullback Arpa Tweedle, young Dom Ferrugia on one wing, Muhammad Alamadeen on the other, Lindsay Tui and Lockie Vella in the centers. Uh, poor Lockie Vella, we saw him sixties. He's got a brace on the knee. And I think he's gonna be out for a little bit, which is a real shame. He was one of those junior eligible members of the Harold Matthews squad. Uh, and we should also
0: mention uh, that's Michael Vella's son.
1: Yes, yes, uh, great Mick Vela, who we had a chance to say hello to last night. Wonderful, wonderful man. Uh, but in the halves, you had Ethan Sanders and Lorenzo, Lorenzo Talatina, Sorry, Lorenzo. Uh, front row, Sam Tuovati, Matt Arthur and Saxon Pryke, Don Destritus, Josiah Funari-Uter the edges, and Charlie Geimer, who was the talismanic captain of the SG ball team, locking the forward pack. So an outstanding uh, team on paper, there, and you can see the SG ball dominating there for good reason.
0: Yeah, the extended bench in that team of the year was uh, Lance Gulliuma, Makaya Darcy, mm-hmm. um, Tyson Sangalang, Talara Bamblett, Davante Vivella, uh, Debbie Dway, uh, Lockie Kanikas, and Ashley Pottinger. So, congratulations to all of those people for being a acknowledged for their contributions during the season.
1: And uh, it's got to be said before we get on to the Dennis Anderson medal recipient of the year, that uh, they also gave out honours for city country and other representative selections. And i got to say the uh, two team trainers, I think it was uh, Tasha Gale and uh, SG Ball, got the biggest cheers of the night when they got announced. So you love seeing that sort of camaraderie and uh, brother and sisterhood uh, in those teams. So really good to see. But yeah, the, the big, uh, in terms of non-player gongs, the Dennis Anderson uh, medal who we mentioned Jerry's won a couple of times went to Wayne Howe who got the biggest cheer of the night I think when he when he uh, went up there uh, that was a great great moment
0: what about the reaction from the players when he got that
1: <laughs> yeah yeah and um, I, I think it really comes back to you're probably going to touch in the 60s but the night closed off with a, a brilliant speech by Joey Grimer who we'd spoken to on the tip sheet just before the day before we had to record it on the Tuesday. Um, and he gave a, a, a beautiful speech about what makes Parramatta so special for him and for everyone there. And he mentioned it was the good people involved. And you see that reaction. You see how everyone celebrated Wayne getting his, his dues there. And you can understand exactly what Joey meant in that moment.
0: Yeah, so many people. And, and I mean, we've got Clint here with us. And we were talking before about Clint's father, Jerry. And uh, we... We've got to know Jerry quite well over the years um, with our coverage of the the junior reps. And, you know, people people like Jerry, people like Wayne, people like, you know, I mean, we're talking about people who volunteer their time Mm -hmm. and go above and beyond. And they're Parramatta people. They're Parramatta people to the core who it's all about what they can do for others and like football clubs all over the place are built on people like that it's you wouldn't have junior clubs you wouldn't have pathways football if you didn't have volunteers and and people who were unselfish people who are just genuine community people and you can when you see the reaction from players like that like we saw when Jerry won it in the previous two years, like we saw when Wayne won it this year, is you know they know they know how much goes into the work that's involved in the roles that they have within the club. So, um, Clint, I'm sure um, you let your father know how much he's appreciated all the time, but please you know pass on from us. Cause we didn't, we actually didn't get a chance to talk with Jerry last night. We were, um, we, I don't think we were near where he was located. If what if we were, I we just didn't bump into him during the night. It was a it was certainly a big event last night, lots of people there. But yeah, please pass on from us just how much we appreciate his involvement with the club. And and we do again mention that, um, he was, he was, his name came up in the speeches from the other coaches, not just the, um, not just the Harold Matthews coach. So, um, yeah, please do that for us. No, um, th- th- thanks for that
2: 60s and, and, um, and 40. It's, um, yeah, you know, sport is, uh, as, you, as you said, is, is found on, you know, uh, it's roots are in volunteer, um, volunteers and volunteerism. And, 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 you know, um, you know, I'm I'm someone who's spent the majority of my career to date working in sport as well. You know, um, there's certainly times throughout the period of my career that I've, re- I've I've been both a volunteer and relied on volunteers. And you know, um, it's I don't think there's any other industry in the world, and probably not in any other country in the world, um, that you'll find the, the the spirit and the heart and the effort and, and blood, sweat, and tears that goes in from from volunteers that really. Um, enables the, um, the the opportunity for professional sporting outfits to to have the extent of operations that they do now. So you know um, it, it, we, we we've touched on um, some other people there in the club as well who um, are equally if not more important as well. Um, you know, and um, yeah, everyone plays a role. You know, and it, it, it's it's a very interdependent operation. Um, and with, without people doing those things, it, it, it doesn't have the chance to, to um, not only succeed but, but, but live. And you know, um, the players that we're talking about here today as junior rep players, and, and, and as, as we've done over the years, they're tomorrow's first graders and tomorrow's tomorrow's household names. So you know, it's, um, it's 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 exciting. But these things don't happen without these types of people. So thank you for your sentiments. I'll, 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 I'll pass and um, pass that on. Um, but, yeah, you know, um, well done to everyone involved in the program this year.
0: Yeah, and, and just finally on last night, I just want to add to John's comments about Joey's speech. It was a very moving speech. You, anyone listening um, would be left in no doubts about how Joey feels about the Parramatta Reels. Can I also mention, too, that his speech, he had no notes. He just stood there and spoke from the heart. For about ten minutes about Parramatta and and what the club means to him and the and the people that have been with within the club and um, I guess after thirty one years it's it's something that's it's not going to be removed from his heart and uh, I'm I'm very proud of the fact that uh, Joey is a friend of ours mm-hmm. um, I'm honoured with the the by the fact that he's he took the time out to to message us on his last. A couple of days just to uh, thank us for um, for our input in uh, in his time at the club and and uh, and how he feels and mate it, it it's something that really any thanks should be uh, well and truly going the other way so Oops. thank you Joey and um, if you're listening to this as I know you love to listen to the podcast um, our thanks again uh, for who you are basically.
1: I think it's, it says everything about him that it took the opportunity to make NRL history to pull him away from yeah. the else. So, yeah. you know, to do something Absolutely. incredible up in PNG, and, you know, that that is who Joey is. So, yeah, he, he's certainly not going to stop being a friend of TCT and of everyone here. He is an incredible man, and we really look forward to helping document his story, actually, as he uh, does his good work up there.
0: Well, yeah, um, when, you, when you make your um, – Trip to Papua New Guinea, John, to um, uh, report on how Joey's going up there.
1: Someone's got and, to keep uh, him in check. You know what? You know he's he's a good guy, but you know you let him run right, and you know someone's got to pull him back into line.
0: <laughs> well, look, if, when we make the trip up there, I will tell you what, I'll I'll um, I'll make sure that uh, everything's okay in the uh, hotel for Joey. I'll uh, <laughs> ensure that all the are up to date, but what I think is really important for you, John, is for you get to get out to some of the villages and <laughs> check on how his work is progressing. Yep, <laughs> <laughs> I'll be the uh, bo- <laughs> that's, boots that's boots, boots,
1: on, boots on the ground is definitely my responsibility.
2: that's it. That's it. I, I, and, I, just, uh, I just wanted to, um, to, to tack on to the love fest here, and, and, and rightly so um, for Joey. You know, I've I've I've, um, I've met and been involved with Joey across many different. Times and facets in many different capacities throughout my life, through as a kid, Um, um, uh, um, when I was playing football, as um, as an administrator, working in rugby league, and you know as um, as my dad's uh, son, and and um, and you know dad obviously being part of the the Virginia reps program, working um, very closely with Joey over the last few years, and um, you know I, I, I honestly don't have. I don't have high enough praise to give that man and, and 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 what he um has done for the programs there and and, and for our club. You know, he he's very much um at the, the nucleus and the epicenter of um of the junior success and the the, the the first graders of of tomorrow for many, many years now. And you know, um you he a, a anyone that spends some time around Joey, you know, um he, he's very much a, an innovator of, of of skill development. You know, you do you do a coaching session with Joey and you'll you'll um if if you're not familiar to to some of his tactics they'll, they'll look a little bit peculiar on the surface, but you know, he'll break it down and breaks it down for you. You see the, the, the real life and real game application mm-hmm. of those skills, even if they don't necessarily make sense straight away. And it really is a scholar of the game, you know, and, um I, I I know every time that I speak with Joy, I'm sure it's the same for you, gents, as well. You, I'm, I'm always learning something new about the game, yeah. and and considering things from a different perspective. And you know, yeah. <laughs> as you put so eloquently, '60s, you know, it it, it took a, a life changing and game changing opportunity to develop um, to develop rugby league over in Papua New Guinea to prime away from us and. You know, I wish him the absolute best in his um, his next adventure, and um, you know, I'll be watching as eagerly as anyone is.
0: I'll oh, just just a couple of little funny uh, observations too. I think one of the the things that Joey should be congratulated for is that he still manages to get from point A to point B at any rugby rugby league venue, despite the number of people that stop him to say hello. That's <laughs> If anyone has ever spent time at a rugby league venue with Joey, especially when it's he's a, w- trying to walk, from it's point like a, a papal
1: point procession. To the poor man just gets yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Yep. yeah shaking should. hands and kissing babies, shaking
1: mm-hmm. hands
2: yeah. and kissing babies.
0: What what he probably needed at, it for like he got a wonderful uh, parting gift from the Eels. He, he if he had a had like special ring made that you know he could have just called up the hand <laughs> as he went through. <laughs> yes. Because the as I said, the 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 num but you know in all honesty, that was genuinely what it was like. He had so many people in the game from all the clubs. Um and it was from players through to you know the coaches, administrators, whatever the case may be, parents, uh, everyone knew him, everyone loved him. Loves him. Oh, I shouldn't. It sounds like past tense sounds wrong. Everyone knows him. Everyone loves him, and um, yeah. So there's that. And you mentioned about the uh, the the skills. I was um, I won't say victim to um, him showing me one of the um, tricks that he had for the um, for that that he employed with the even with the NRL squad was that ball grip with the uh, so he'd get the tins of baby formula empty them <laughs> fill them up with sand get the tape around them for the grip and then you grip the the grip the baby formula with one hand and then you're sort of doing the lateral arm raises with them and it's to strengthen the hand grip and yep. um it, that was no problem with the right arm the left arm was not was not too good and uh a couple of days <laughs> later I was thinking why am I getting like this burning sensation in my shoulders and neck? And, <laughs> and then it was, I realized what I'd done a couple of days beforehand in trying to lift these damn tins of baby formula. I mean, for, for NRL players that are in the gym, I'm sure that, you know, the, uh, there wasn't the issue with the, the weight of them and the, and that lifting action, but trying to get the hand gripping it um, and, and just holding it basically by the fingertips. You can see then why, it helps that strength with grip and a football. Like if you can hold on to these heavy tins, the <laughs> you way can dodge can a wrench, you can grip and dodge a football with one hand. So yeah. Anyway, we we now press on because we have um, we have been spending some time uh, rambling about uh, Parramatta news, but we do have to get to NRL news. So firstly, we've got injuries to Origin players and speculation about who's coming in. Of course, the main one, as far as New South Wales con- is concerned, is. Is um, Nathan Cleary, um, fellas, the uh, potential implications for Parramatta with maybe Mitch Moses in contention for a spot? I, uh, what's your thoughts, I,
1: John? I was—I had my whole thing prepared for this about you know talking about the pros and cons, and obviously the huge issue now that if Moses is out and you've got Arce and then a huge gap next, and what do we do? Uh, but there is a developing story right now that completely changes the complexion of this conversation. I think. Uh, Appy Coruscant has a suspected, suspected broken jaw. Uh, Tino Fass Whoa. or Malawi, uh got him with a forearm. And suddenly, uh, Freddie loves his combinations. And if he's got to go to Damien mm-hmm. Cook, you think immediately Adam Reynolds, Cody Walker. And I, I, I think that while the fact that Phil Gould was championing Moses was an indication that perhaps uh, he might have a serious consideration for the job, given that I think Freddie, you know, legitimately respects Phil Gould's opinions. Um, I think this injury to Arpy might just completely change the equation. I think he just goes for this. Well, it's not really the South Sydney combination, but you know the former South Sydney and current South Sydney combinations the same way that Appy wasn't a current Penrith combination.
0: Yeah, Clint? Yeah,
2: look, um, John's beaten me to the scoop because I've had three different people text me throughout, <laughs> Be- throughout Be- the, um, the, yep. the, the podcast. Uh, recording here with with that news about abby and um i was going to suggest something not too dissimilar to that because um prior to that in my head i was like i was uh, certain that moses was going to get picked but uh this absolutely throws um the cat amongst the pigeons now and, and certainly opens up the opportunity for that uh uh inverted commas south connection <laughs> to be picked but um i um I, i've I had been dreading um, p- prior to this the the notion of Mitch being selected and, and that compounding some of the effects to our our season and you know, um, you know it would be just our luck that he would get picked um, that New South Wales would lose that he'd become he'd be made the pariah and blamed for for, for that loss and um, carrying that weight of expectation back into our season and then you know, uh, not that you, you you want to be a Debbie Downer on all of this, but in in his one Origin game to date, he walked away with an injury, and and um, we lost him for a few weeks. It would be just our luck um, this year that he'd pick up something in that game as well. So, look, you know, I I, I said last week, I'm or the, the, a couple of weeks ago, I always wish the best for our players, but I'm the Parramatta man first, and I'm selfish, and I want I want our players playing in our jersey as much as possible, and um, you know. I'm hoping that um, the, uh, I'll call him, elusive and dynamic uh, uh, Brad Freddy Fiddler, um is erring towards the uh, old South Sydney connection if and away from the, the, the Parramatta talisman.
1: If we entertain the hypothetical right now, the worst case scenario for Parramatta where Mitch does get picked, he gets ruled out for the game against Manly, right? He goes in the camp this like, for coming week because the uh, uh, origin will be the week after, I believe if I've got my dates yep. right, so yep. in an almost cosmic sense of black humour, the Eels play the Manly Sea Eagles, where Jake Arthur would be the uh, presumptive yep. uh, replacement for Mitchell Moses. You come into this game, you've got no uh, long-term 5'8", no long-term halfback available. Dejan Arcee is presumably your 5'8", option. What do we do at halfback? Like, do you throw Gufferson in there and jerry-rig some sort of game plan that involves the forwards and Guffo sort of backing up? Do you turn to Jordan Rankin outside the top 30? I don't know. Do you, like, is it crazy enough that someone like Ethan Sanders gets a look in uh, all the way down from Jersey Fleck and coming back from a broken hand? Sixties, I, I legitimately don't know what you do in that scenario.
0: You have to have someone in there with a kicking game. That that yep. becomes the problem line. You can't you can't manufacture two halves who can't kick, and um, I don't know as well that Clint Gutherson has enough of a long kicking game. No,
1: I, not, I don't think any of those options do. Brennan Hands, I'm, I'm not even sure he does as well. Like yeah, none. that's
0: that's what I'm saying. So I I, I legitimately don't know because um, no, you you wouldn't you wouldn't. Um, Throw someone like Ethan Sanders to the wolves, where his his first game back is an NRL debut, um, <laughs> and and you know like he's he's had his uh his his hand injury. Um, yeah, it just it just wouldn't happen. But he legitimately would have the best kicking game in the club out of out of those that mm-hmm. are left. So, um, look, I in all honesty. I think it would be at the point where BA would be considering Jordan Rankin, yeah. Just simply, just simply to have some level of game management. You just, you just couldn't have, no game management, and and that's what it would boil down to. Um, we look. I'm sure that given that he's come through the grades as a, a in the halves, that Brendan Hands would have some sort of uh, kicking game. But I haven't seen enough of it to make an assessment on it. He And he certainly hasn't been playing any position in uh, this season that's required him to do much in the way of kicking. So, mate... Yeah,
1: it's I, it's I, a problem I, you I don't want to have to try and find the answer to, but good Lord,
0: yeah. Oh, mate, I, I don't even want to think about it. And um, But just on Mitch Moses, you know, the bloke I believe deserves another run in origin on that. I agree. Um, but, but like, like Clint, I'm Parramatta selfish. Se-
1: selfishly. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. But, like, but yeah, the fact
0: I mean, we want, we want players to be Parramatta aspirational and us as supporters to be Parramatta selfish. And um,
1: <laughs> like, but like I said, before the Coruscant news broke, I had the whole sort of tirade set up because how disrespectful is it towards Mitchell Moses, who has been a top two, top three halfback for damn near four or five years now in the NRL, that the you know the opportunity comes, Cleary gets injured, and he's not even like in the top three candidates listed in the media, except for Phil Gould, who I'll give him his dues. He's always been a strong proponent of Mitchell Moses. It must be said, uh, he's always really uh, appreciated Moses's talents. But you know, Adam Reynolds, Nico Hines, uh, Cody Walker, you know they're all been strongly listed before Mitchell Moses. And it just feels flat out disrespectful to him. And it's not even about him getting picked. It's the fact that he's not been given serious in consideration. Yeah. Like, hello? Like, yeah, it,
0: was, it was almost like last year, how Reg fell out of the conversation mm-hmm. simply because, because the journalists, the media knew that Freddie put a line through him. Yep. So he, he fell out of even selection discussion in the media because they knew he wasn't going to be, he wasn't in Freddie's mind. So um, yeah, just uh, now on Queensland, they've got some injuries there in the forwards,
1: and Tino <laughs> might be up for a charge now. So yeah, the,
0: um, are we are we looking at potentially losing uh, Jermaine Hopgood as well?
1: Well, I mean uh, Quinn will have some good opinions on this too. But in terms of seniority, you've got the likes of Christian Welch. Uh, yes. You've got Felice Carfusi, who can come back in if they want that enforcer uh, there, who, you know, he, he really thrives in that sort of environment. But um, the, the other player that immediately comes to mind is Corey Horsborough, who is enjoying a fantastic season at Canberra. Uh, he gives you probably a little bit more engine room sort of feel when you come in there. He's going to run the ball and, and, you know, be really good there. I, I think Jermaine could be a sneaky option here, and it, it does scare me, because, you know, you need all hands on deck here, but... Uh, I think there's a uh, Billy's been, you know, he hasn't, you know, come out over the top of his uh, support of Hopgood. Like he hasn't with any player, but he's been quite positive when engaged about Hopgood in the media. And I wouldn't be surprised if uh, he's either in the team or maybe brought in the camp.
0: Yeah, we. Uh, I don't think we could afford it, could we, Clint? Well, I mean, if the injury, uh, the
2: latest injury and casualty ward is is to go off anything. Was supposedly getting Matto back next week, so um, you know, if, if, if he were to return, that could potentially offset any potential selection of Jermaine.
1: But um, there's a lot of offsetting happening yeah, this year, isn't it? It's never just kidding, getting healthy, <laughs> that's it's always that's what we said earlier. So, you someone know, someone comes in, someone on. goes out, yep, yeah, <laughs>
2: you know, it's, 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 it's a rotation and get a perpetual game of musical chairs. But um, oh, and, you know, and by
0: it, the way, by the way maybe if you, if you really want to talk left field, that, um, uh, Matto solves a, 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 halves problem. If, yeah, um, if, if we were to lose, um, yeah. Matto and Cardi.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Sorry about that, Clint. No, no, that's fine. You know, they're, they're good points. You know, um, there's,
2: there's certainly creative, um, uh, capabilities in both Matto and Cardi. So, you know, they're, they're definitely, I guess, in consideration in that hypothetical. But, um, yeah, look, you know, the, um, Corey Horsburgh is certainly the flavour of the month at the moment. And plenty of that's his own doing. But he's, he's getting a lot of media support from the, um, from the usual suspects. And, you know, um, I'll just leave a, a, a dangling carrot um, for people to infer as to why that might be the case. Um, but um, you know um, he, he, he's he's warranted those discussions as well through his form. So you know um, he's definitely having a case push for him. And um, to what Ford he said, yeah, um, Billy Billy's been very positive when engaged about Jermaine. So you know um, I, I know whatever whatever path um, Queensland do go with their, um, their selections. It'll be with the view to win the game, and um, you know, they've they've got a, a really good brains trust there. That's um, uh, and if Jermaine's considered as a part of that equation, then you know he's he's in good rugby league company with some of the, the some of the great modern game minds there.
0: Yeah. Yep. Um, now we um, we just want to wrap up here with talking about concussion protocols. We've seen Manly get the all clear from Tommy Turbo for Tommy Turbo to play um, after his uh, concussion in Origin. But we've also got the dogs naming Reed Marnie and going through the process of trying to say that his ruled category one concussion he has recovered from, that he's recovered from it within the 11 days so that he is given. Uh, permission to play within that eleven days against the Parramatta Reels on Easter Monday, fellas, are, are we? Are we now getting into ludicrous territory where the eleven mandatory eleven days suddenly is not applicable? Yeah, I'm I sure. mean, it, does it open up a Pandora's box?
1: I got some strong, strong words about this one that I probably can't say on the podcast. Um, <laughs> I I, yeah. I I thought that the whole initiative behind the mandatory 11-day stand down was that it was essentially hallowed ground, right? You're not meant to infringe on it. It's a... Not only is it a player welfare thing, it's, I mean, plausible deniability is the ter- wrong way of putting it, but it's a uh, like a workplace compliance thing for the league as well, right? They're an OH&S safety thing for players uh, that in the long term, you know, a mandatory week and a half down from these, you know, almost like a no-fault stand-down, right? These, these things just need to happen. Um, and the fact that we've seen it not once but twice be contested in the span of a, a week and a half is very concerning. Um, yes. not, not a fan, not a fan at all. And again, I will point to the Parramatta Reels doing their due diligence and their responsibility to their players consistently, despite, you know, there being some uh, snarky comments from certain media personalities in the past about us abusing the interchange system with it. Uh, when it comes to our gun players getting head knocks, whether it's Mitchell Moses, Quentin Gufferson, any of them, uh, if they show concussion symptoms, we take them off and they do not pass their tests. And we give them the requisite time to recover. And I will always support the Eels and Bradar for doing the right thing by players when it comes to mental and head health. And yeah, not not a fan of the trend we're seeing in the last week and a half, not a fan at all.
0: Yeah, and you just know, as I said, I I think it's a potential Pandora's box because Mm -hmm. all of the evils, all of the evils that will come out that where due care isn't taken with concussion. Now I I know that the Canterbury are saying they're going through a a range of independent uh, specialists and experts and, and getting their assessment of him. But seriously, if this happens you can guarantee, I mean, I, I was always concerned that when you got to a, uh, a grand final, if you'd had someone that suffered a concussion mm-hmm. in, mm. the, in the preliminary finals and you only had that week until the grand final, you know that players wouldn't want to stand down from a head knock the week before. And this literally opens the door that if they can find experts that will give, and I'm not going to suggest experts would would do anything that they shouldn't do, but who knows how many tests they go to, how many how many specialists they go to to get the um, the the okay, the clearing, um, because we've had doctors that surely doctors categorised it as category one, a category one concussion. So once that's been diagnosed, isn't that the end of the story? It's man Well, it shouldn't be up. For,
2: it shouldn't be up for debate based on the NRL yeah. policy and um, outlined and established this the, year.
1: The idea of shopping for a doctor that will give you the cat two diagnosis is concerning.
0: Yeah, yeah, and and you know what? If you're a doctor, and I, I'm, and again, I don't want to have. The, I want to be careful how about how I say this. Um, and I guess it comes down to second opinion, like doctors, doctors are sought for second opinions. But and let me be very clear on this. The medical profession has been strong in their stance about the role of concussion in, um, in problems that elite sports people, especially those that are involved in contact sports, the impact that it can have later in life. Now you get a club taking a player to a specialist when the game, the game itself has protocols that say there is a a, a mandatory 11 day stand down for anyone that suffers category one. And then a club and an individual comes to the doctor and They're seeking a clearance to go within, To to, sorry, to beat a mandatory stand-down rule that's established in a sport over concussion. Does that, am I wrong in thinking I don't understand that there would be medical people that would be prepared to do that? Like it it seems to fly in the face. Like if they know what the intent is of the of the sports person coming to them, like they're coming to them to beat a medically defined stand down, why would they why would they provide them with the um with the tools to do that? And if something was to happen in the future, let's say let's say in this instance Reed Marnie gets injured in the game, another concussion. Would he have the capacity in the future? Like if he if he ended up having problems, if he pointed out and said, Look, I should have been stood down and this doctor gave me the clearance to play the next week and I got a concussion the next week and I'm I'm not able to play now. Would he have legal recourse with that with that That's doctor a, who gave him clearance?
1: It's a it's a of, very, very Yeah, this is a minefield for a whole ton of reasons and yeah, the answer mm. to the question you posed earlier is probably not one we should comment on. Um, yep, agreed. Uh, the reality is, is that, like we, we always say, it's a results-driven business. And, you know, coaches and, and football executives and everyone, they all feel the pressure. And when you haven't got your best roster available, particularly when it's, you know, star players, um, yeah, you, you tend to push lines, I feel like.
0: Well, well let, me, let me repose that question. Strike that I've asked that question. Should clubs be putting doctors in that position? No, absolutely not,
1: yeah. Uh, if, the, no. if the NRL is going to appoint an independent authority, medical authority, to grade this stuff at the game, then that should be treated as such. Uh, the, okay.
0: So, so I, did, I now want to take it one step further. If we agree that clubs shouldn't be putting doctors in that position, as the governing body, should the NRL be allowing clubs to put doctors in that position?
1: Again, no. But uh, I feel like they're going to let it happen until something bad happens. Um, That's the precedent that's been set these last couple of instances. So, yeah, not not a fan. And like I said, I I will constantly give props to the Eels for doing the right thing when it comes to head knocks. It it is like one of the almost sacred things in this game, I think that every club should be doing uh, real serious uh, or taking care of it real seriously. Yeah, yeah.
0: I, I I really have concerns over the precedents that are being set here and the fact that um, doctors are being put into this position because I feel like doctors wouldn't seek, certainly wouldn't go out of their way to prove that, Um, someone doesn't have concussion or didn't have concussion or has no side effects, continuing uh, impacts from concussion um, for the purposes of of getting them to break a protocol or to, or sorry, not break a protocol, but to be exempt from a protocol uh, as an individual case. And I, I just don't think they should be, I don't think the medical profession should be put into that position. I don't think they should be the basis for um, for having uh, exemptions or special cases. And that once we've done that, it's just you may as well throw that um, mandatory time out the window mm-hmm. and just it, say... It's, it's all up for grabs at that point. Yeah, it's like, all up for grabs. Like, why have a mandatory 11-day stand-down, right? Why not just have... Okay, if you can prove that you have no impact from the concussion, then you can play. That may as well be the rule. Now, I'm not saying that's that should be the rule, but that that's literally what it would be in this instance, isn't it? Like, if someone is able to play inside the 11 days because they've got the okay from the from doctors, then it should be that's the rule for everyone. If you get a clearance from uh from doctors from independent doctors. You can play, and you know what? If Reed Marnie's allowed to play, then coming into grand finals, if anyone is, if anyone goes and does the same thing and then isn't allowed to play, um, you would think there would be legal recourse.
1: Yeah, well, the, the, mm. that's not the legal recourse I'll be worrying about. <laughs> It'd be the legal recourse five years down the road when there's more, yep. more concussion data coming out and the NRL allowing these players to play uh yeah so (laughs) yeah (laughs) and and
2: that's why this is a minefield Mm -hmm. you know because um there's there's so many unintended consequences of decisions that are and aren't made around this particular matter and you know um this is where i'd like to see a little bit of strength from the nrl to reinforce their policy and stand their ground and say you know we acknowledge that you've done that in the best interests of of our um, our specialist doctor identifies this, um, we will be upholding our stance in the policy on this occasion.
0: Well, fellas, I, 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 reckon, I reckon we've covered about as much as we possibly can in one jam-packed podcast. Uh, have, is there anything we've missed?
1: Probably, but we'll have to wear that one on the chin.
0: <laughs> yes, we, it's certainly we, been a week. Did we? Did we achieve the goals? We're inside the two hours.
1: We're inside an hour and a half, as it stands. One twenty-seven twenty so far,
0: mate. Except, I think we've done exceptionally well. So, at this point, let's give a, a thank you once again to our sponsors, our Star Partners, Auburn norellin and Parramatta, and also Big Swing Golf at North Mead. Uh, Again, we wouldn't be able to do the the podcast. We wouldn't be able to do what we do on TCT without having sponsors that that help us bring the content to you, our fellow Parramatta Eels supporters. Um, thank you, John. Thank you, Clint. Thank you to everyone for tuning into this. Uh, let's uh, let's get let's get going on Monday. Let's bring home the win against the Bulldogs and go, you mighty Eels.